Hello, and welcome back to Riverside Readings. I'm your host, Trent Miley, and today we will be continuing our journey of our Shakespeare sonnet series. Over part one, which covered sonnets one to twenty, we saw a continued conversation regarding beauty and how time may not be kind to that beauty, but giving your beauty in the form of a child can preserve that beauty long after you are gone, much like a pen to paper. The words form new meanings the further out from the published date we get, yet there is an underlying meaning that has spread across the generations since. I look forward to what we will discover in part two of our Shakespeare sonnet series on Riverside Readings. Without further ado, here are Shakespeare's sonnets 21 to 40. So is it not with me as with that muse, stirred by a painted beauty to his verse, who heaven itself for ornament doth use, and every fair with his fair doth rehearse? making a couplement of proud compare with sun and moon, with earth and sea rich gems, with April's first-born flowers, and all things rare that heaven's air and this huge rondeur hymns. Oh, let me, true in love but truly right, and then believe me, my love is as fair as any mother's child though not so bright as those gold candles fixed in heaven's air. Let them say more, that like of hearsay well, I will not praise that purpose not to sell. I am not like that other poet, inspired to write by a woman wearing makeup, who uses heaven itself as an ornament of his praise, and every beautiful thing describes his beautiful thing. Coupling her through proud comparisons with the sun and moon, with the treasures of the earth and sea, with the first flowers of the spring, and all the rarest things that are contained within the vast circle of the heavens. Oh, let me, faithful in love, write truthfully, and then believe me, my love is as beautiful as any mother's child although it is not as bright as the stars fixed like golden candles in the sky. Let others say more who like rumor too much. I won't praise what I don't intend to sell. My glass shall not persuade me I am old so long as youth and thou are of one date. But when in thee time's furrows I behold, then look I death my days should expiate. For all that beauty that doth cover thee is but the seemly raiment of my heart, which in thy breast doth live as thine and mine. How can I then be elder than thou art? Oh, therefore, love, be of thyself so wary as I, not for myself, but for thee will. Bearing thy heart 
which I will keep so cherry as tender nurse her babe from faring ill. Presume not on thy heart when mine is slain. Thou gavest me thine not to give back again. My mirror will not convince me that I am old as long as you are youthful. But when I see the marks of time on your body, then I expect that death will end my days. Because the beauty that covers you is the clothing that my heart wears, and my heart lives in your chest as yours lives in mine. How can I then be older than you are? Therefore, my love, take care of yourself as I will take care, not for my sake, but for yours. Carrying your heart, which I will be so careful of, like a tender nurse keeping her baby from harm. Do not presume you can take your heart back when mine has been slain. You gave me yours not to give back again. As an unperfect actor on the stage, who with his fear is put besides his part, or some fierce thing replete with too much rage, whose strength's abundance weak weakens his own heart. So I, for fear of trust, forget to say the perfect ceremony of love's right, and in mine own love's strength seem to decay, or charged with burden of mine own love's might. O oh, let my books be then the eloquence and dumb presayers of my speaking breast, who plead for love and look for recompense more than that tongue that more hath more expressed. O oh, learn to read what silent love hath writ, to hear with eyes belongs to love's fine wit. As an unprepared actor on stage, who, because of fear, forgets his part, or as some fierce thing filled with too much rage, who has so much strength that it weakens his own heart. So I, afraid to trust myself, forget to complete the ceremony of love's ritual, and in the strength of my love I become weak, overwhelmed with the burden of my love's greatness. Oh, then let my books be the eloquence and the silent prophets of what my heart is saying. Who make the case for its love and look for something in return more than the other tongue that says more than I do? Oh, learn to read what silent love has written. To hear through the eyes is a skill that belongs to love's intelligence. Mine eye hath played the painter and hath steeled thy beauty's form and table of my heart. My body is the frame wherein tis held, and perspective it is best painter's art. For through the painter must you see his skill to find where your true image pictured lies, which in my bosom's shop is hanging still, that hath his windows glazed with thine eyes. Now see what good turns eyes for eyes have done. Mine eyes have drawn thy shape, and thine for me are windows to my breast, where through the sun delights to peep, to gaze therein on thee. Yet eyes this 
cunning want to grace their art. They draw but what they see, know not the heart. My eyes have acted as a painter and have fixed the form of your beauty in the canvas of my heart. My body is the frame in which it is held, and perspective is the skill of the best painter. You have to look from his viewpoint to see his skill, to find the picture of your true appearance, which is still hanging in my heart's workshop, and your eyes have become its windows. Now see what good favors my eyes have done yours. My eyes have drawn your shape, and your eyes for me are windows into my heart, and the sun enjoys peeping through in order to see you. But eyes lack the skill to adorn their art. They can only draw what they see. They do not see the heart. Let those who are in favor with their stars of public honor and proud titles boast, whilst I, whom fortune of such triumph bars, unlooked for joy in that I honor most. Great princes' favorites their fair leaves spread, but as the marigold at the sun's eye, and in themselves their pride lies buried, for at a frown they in their glory die. The painful warrior famoused for worth, after a thousand victories once foiled, is from the book of honor raised it quite, and all the rest forgot for which he toiled. Then happy I that love and am beloved, where I may not remove nor be removed. Let those who are favored with good fortune and can boast about public status and high titles while I am prevented by fortune from enjoying success and also from taking delight in what I value most. The favorites of great princes spread out beautiful petals like a marigold when the sun shines, and their glory is shut up inside themselves. For when they lose approval, they in their splendor die. The dutiful warrior who deserves his fame is defeated once after a thousand victories, and completely erased from the Book of Honor, and everything that he worked for is forgotten. I am happy because I love and am loved somewhere I can't remove myself or be removed. Lord of my love, to whom in vassalage thy merit hath my duty strongly knit, to thee I send this written embassage to witness duty, not to show my wit. Duty so great, which wit so poor as mine may make seem bare, in wanting words to show it, but that I hope some good conceit of thine and thy soul's thoughts, all naked, will bestow it. To whatsoever star that guides my moving points on me graciously with fair aspect and puts apparel on my tattered loving to show me worthy of thy sweet respect. Then may I dare to boast how I do love thee. Till then, not show my head where thou mayest prove me.
You who are Lord of my love, and I am your vassal, your worth has strongly bound my loyalty to you. I send this written ambassador to you to demonstrate my obligation, not to show off my intellect. This obligation is so great that my poor intellect may look poorer by failing to find the right words, but I hope that you have a good idea in your soul that you will be kind to this naked thing. Until whatever star that guides my movements puts me on a good course and covers my tattered love with good clothes to make me seem worthy of your sweet respect. Only then could I boast how much I love you. Until then, I will not show my head anywhere that you may test my love. Weary with toil, I haste me to my bed, the dear repose for limbs with travel tired, but then begins a journey in my head to work my mind when body's works expired. For then my thoughts from far where I abide intend a zealous pilgrimage to thee and keep my drooping eyelids open wide looking on darkness which the blind do see. Save that my soul's imaginary sight presents thy shadow to my sightless view, which, like a jewel hung in ghastly night, makes black night beauteous and her old face new. Lo, thus by day my limbs, by night my mind, for thee and for myself no quiet find. Exhausted, I hurry to my bed, the precious resting place for my tired limbs. But then a journey begins in my head, making my mind work when my body's work has finished. Then my thoughts from far away make a pious pilgrimage to where you are and keep my drooping eyelids open wide, looking at darkness like a blind man. Except that the imagination of my soul presents your shadowy image to my sightless sight, which, like a jewel hanging in a horrifying night, makes the black night beautiful and young again. So, every day my limbs and every night my mind, because of you and because of me, can find no rest. How can I then in return happy plight that am debarred the benefit of rest? When day's oppression is not eased by night, but day by night and night by day oppressed? And each, though enemies to either's reign, do in consent shake hands to torture me, the one by toil, the other to complain how far I toil, still farther off from thee. I tell the day to please him thou art bright, and dost him grace when clouds do blot the heaven. So flatter I the swart complexioned night, when sparkling stars twire not, thou glidest the even. But day doth daily draw my sorrows longer, and night doth nightly make grief's length seem stronger. Then how can I return to a state of happiness when am prevented from resting? When the pressure of the day is not relieved at night, but day is oppressed by night and night by day? And although there are enemies to each other, 
They joined forces to torture me. The day with labor and the night with thoughts of how my work takes me even further away from you. I tell the day to please him about how radiant you are and how your radiance honors him even when the clouds cover the sky. I give the same flattery to the dark-faced night, telling him that when stars do not twinkle, you brighten the evening. But every day, the day makes my sorrows longer, and every night, the night makes my grief feel stronger. When in disgrace with fortune in men's eyes, I all alone beweep my outcast state, and trouble deaf heaven with my bootless cries, and look upon myself and curse my fate. Wishing me like to one more rich in hope, featured like him, like him with friends possessed, desiring this man's art and that man's scope, with what I most enjoy contented least. Yet in these thoughts myself almost despising, happily I think on thee, and then my state, like to the lark at break of day arising from sullen earth, sings hymns at heaven's gate. For thy sweet love remembered such wealth brings that then I scorn to change my state with kings. When I have bad luck and people think of me all alone, I cry about being unwanted and disturb heaven with cries that fall on death ears. And I look at my life and curse my fate, wishing I were someone with better prospects someone with a beautiful face or many friends, desiring one man's skill or another's range of skills, satisfied least by the things I actually possess. But when I most hate myself for these thoughts, by good fortune, I think about you, and then I feel like the lark at the break of day rising from the gloomy earth to sing in the skies. The memory of your sweet love brings such richness to me that in the moment I would not change place with kings. When to the sessions of sweet silent thought I summon up remembrance of things past, I sigh the lack of many a thing I sought, and with old woes new wail my dear time's waste. Then can I drown an eye unused to flow, for precious friends hid in death's dateless night, and weep a fresh love's long since cancelled woe, and moan the expense of many a vanished sight. Then can I grieve at grievances foregone, and heavily from woe to woe tell o'er the sad account of forebemoaned moan, which I knew pay as it not paid before. But if the while I think on thee, dear friend, all losses are restored, and sorrows end. When in sessions of sweet silent thinking I summon up the memory of my past, I sigh about the lack of many things I wanted, and I waste precious time by mourning past problems once again. 
Then I drowned my eyes, which are not used to crying, for precious friends buried in death's timeless night, and cry again for the sorrows of past love, and complain about the loss of many vanished things. Then I can grieve for griefs from the past, and sadly tell the stories of each and every loss once again, the sad account of a complaint I have already complained about, which I express as if I had not expressed it not before. But in the meanwhile, if I think of you, dear friend, all these losses are restored, and sorrow ends. Thy bosom is endeared with all hearts which I, by lacking, have supposed dead, and there reigns love, and all love's loving parts, and all those friends which I thought buried. How many a holy and obsequious tear hath dear religious love stolen from mine eye as interest of the dead, which now appear but things removed that hidden in thee lie? Thou art the grave where buried love doth live, hung with the trophies of my lovers gone, who all their parts of me to thee did give, that due of many now is thine alone. Their images I loved I view in thee, and thou, all they, hast all the all of me. Your heart is enriched by the hearts of everybody, which I, by lacking, assumed were dead. Love is the king of the heart, and contains all of love's qualities, and all those friends who I thought were dead. How many holy and dutiful tears have I shed in my mourning duties for the dead, who now appear to have been no more than moved away and hidden in your heart? You are the grave in which buried love lives, hung with the trophies of my past lovers, who gave to you everything that they received from me, those parts given to you by many, or now yours alone. The images of everyone I have loved I see in you, and you, containing all of them, contain all of me too. If thou survive my well-contented day, when that churl death my bones with dust shall cover, and shalt by fortune once more resurvey these poor rude lines of thy deceased lover, compare them with the bettering of the time, and thou they be outstripped by every pen, reserve them for my love, not for their rhyme, exceeded by the height of happier men. Oh, then vouchsafe me but this loving thought. Had my friend's muse grown with this growing age, a dearer birth than his love had brought to march in ranks of better equipage. But since he died and poets better prove, theirs for their style I'll read, his for his love. If you survive the day that I pay my final debt, when death, that villain, covers my bones with dust, 
And if by chance you look once again at these unskilled and crude lines written by your dead lover, remember that everything improves with time. And though my poems are surpassed by every other poet, keep my poems for their message of love, not for their technical skill, which is outranked by the high achievement of more fortunate men. Oh, then grant me just this loving thought. If my friend's muse had improved with the times, his love would have been able to purchase a better creation worthy of joining the rank of better poets. But since he died, and there are better poets around now, I will read their poems for their style, and his for his love. Full many a glorious morning have I seen flatter the mountaintops with sovereign eye, kissing with golden face the meadows green, gliding pale streams with heavenly alchemy. Anon permit the basis clouds to ride with ugly rack on his celestial face, and from the forlorn world his visage hide, stealing unseen to west with his disgrace. Even so, my son, one early morning did shine with all triumphant splendor on my brow. But out alack, he was but one hour mine. The region cloud hath masked him from me now. Yet him for this my love not with disdaineth. Sons of the world may stain when heaven's sun staineth. I have seen many glorious mornings when, like a king, the sun touches the mountaintops, kissing the green meadows with his golden face, turning the pale streams into cold with heavenly alchemy, soon allowing the darkest clouds to ride and damage his heavenly face, and hide his face from the abandoned world, sneaking off to the west in disgrace. Likewise, one early morning my sun shone on my face with triumphant glory, but unfortunately, he was only mine for one hour. The high clouds have hidden him away from me now, but my love is not diminished by this even a bit. When even the sun in heaven loses its color, it's natural that sons of the earth must lose their color too. Why didst thou promise such a beauteous day and make me travel forth without my cloak to let base clouds o'ertake me in my way, hiding thy bravery in their rotten smoke? Tis not enough that through the cloud thou break to dry the rain on my storm-beaten face, for no man well of such a salve can speak that heals the wound and cures not the disgrace nor can thy shame give psychic to my grief. Though thou repent, yet I have still the loss. The offender's sorrow lends but weak relief to him that bears the strong offense's cross. Ah, but those tears are pearl which thy love sheds, and they are rich and ransom all ill deeds. Why did you promise such a beautiful day and make me go out without my coat, only to let dark clouds overtake my journey, 
hiding your fine attributes with their foul mist? Is it not enough that you break through the clouds to dry the rain on my storm-beaten face? For no man can be content with the remedy that heals the wound but doesn't cure the insult. Your public shame does not cure my pain either. Though you ask for forgiveness, I still suffer the hurt. The culprit's sorrow gives little relief to the victim who still suffers from the crime. Ugh, but the tears that you shed out of love are like pearls. They are precious and compensate for all wrongdoing. No more be grieved at that which thou hast done. Roses have thorns and silver fountains mud. Clouds and eclipses stain both moon and sun, and loathsome canker lives in sweetest bud. All men make faults, and even I in this, authorizing thy trespass with compare, myself corrupting, salving thy amiss, excusing their sins more than their sins are. For to thy sensual fault I bring incense, thy adverse party is thy advocate, and gainst myself a lawful plea commence. Such civil war is in my love and hate that I an accessory needs must be to that sweet thief which sourly robs from me. Do not be sad any longer about what you have done. Roses have thorns, and silver fountains have mud in them. Clouds and eclipses blot out both the moon and the sun, and disgusting caterpillars lives in the most beautiful flower. All men make mistakes, and even I do, in this sonnet, justifying your crime with my comparisons, corrupting myself by healing your th faults, excusing your sins more than they deserve. I bring reason to explain your faults. Your opponent has become your lawyer, and in doing so, I begin to argue against myself. There is a civil war between my love and my hate. I must become an accessory to that sweet thief who bitterly robs from me. Let me confess that we two must be twain, although our undivided loves are one. So shall those blots that do with me remain without thy help by me be borne alone. In our two loves there is but one respect, though in our lives a separable spite, which, though it alter not love's sole effect, yet doth it steal sweet hours from love's delight. I may not ever more acknowledge thee, lest my bewailed guilt should do thee shame, for thou with public kindness honor me, unless thou take that honor from thy name. But do not so. I love thee in such sort, as thou being mine, mine is thy good report. I recognize that we two must leave each other, although our love is undivided, united in one and also our disgraces will remain with me, and I will carry them without your help. In our loves there is only one relationship, despite the malicious force which separates us, which, 
although it doesn't change the union of our love, does take away the sweet time we enjoyed together. I cannot publicly greet you again, so that my guilt does not cause you shame. Nor can you honor me in public acts of kindness, unless you wish to remove the honor from your name. So do not do that. I love you so much that you being mine, your good name is also mine. As a decrepit father takes delight to see his active child do deeds of youth, so I, made lame by fortune's dearest spite, take all my comfort of thy worth and truth. For whether beauty, birth, or wealth, or wit, or any of these all, or all, or more, entitled in thy parts do crowded sit, I make my love engrafted to this store. So then I am not lame, poor, nor despised, whilst that this shadow doth substance give, that I in thy abundance am sufficed, and by a part of all thy glory live. Look what is best, that best I wish in thee, this wish I have, then ten times happy me. As a feeble old father is happy to see his active child do youthful things, I too, disabled by the most severe spite of fortune, take all my comfort from your worth and truth, regardless of whether beauty, class, money, or cleverness, any one of these things, or all of them, or other things, are the king of your qualities. I graft my love onto your store of virtues. So then I am not lame, poor, or hated, while your image enriches me so much that I am satisfied by your richness and can live off just a part of your glory. Whatever is best, I wish that you can possess it. This is my wish. Its fulfillment makes me ten times happier. How can my muse want subject to invent while thou dost breathe, that pourest into my verse thine own sweet argument, too excellent for every vulgar paper to rehearse? Oh, give thyself the thanks. If aught in me worthy perusal stand against thy sight, for who's so dumb that cannot write to thee, when thou thyself dost give invention light? Be thou the tenth muse, ten times more in worth than those old nine which rhymers invocate, and that he calls on thee. Let him bring forth eternal numbers to outlive long date. If my slight muse do please these curious days, the pain be mine but thine shall be the praise. How can I lack a subject to write about while you are breathing? You who pour into my poetry your own sweet praise, which is too excellent to be repeated on every common piece of paper. Oh, give yourself the credit. If anything in me worthy of reading survives, you're looking at it. For who is so stupid that they can't write to you when you yourself give light to all invention. You are the tenth muse, 
ten times worthier than the old nine muses that other rhymers call upon. And whoever calls on you, let him give birth to everlasting verses that will outlive a long life. If my small muse pleases this demanding age, the pain of writing will be mine, but the acclaim will be yours. Oh, how thy worth with manners may I sing when thou art all the better part of me. What can mine own praise to mine own self bring? What is it but mine own when I praise thee? Even for this let us divided live, and our dear love lose name of single one, that by the separation I may give that do to thee which thou deservest alone. O oh, absence, what a torment wouldst thou prove, were it not thy sour leisure gave sweet leave to entertain the time with thoughts of love, which time and thoughts so sweetly dost deceive, and that thou teachest how to make one twain, by praising him here who doth hence remain. How can I praise you with appropriate modesty, when you are the better part of me? What good does praising myself bring to me, and what is praising you but praising myself? For this reason, let us live apart, and our precious love lose the reputation of being a union, so that through this separation I can give you the praise that you deserve all by yourself. Oh, absence, what a torment you would prove to be! If it weren't that your sour leisure gives sweet opportunity to fill the time with thoughts of love, you, absence, sweetly deceive time and thinking. You teach how to make one into two by praising my love here, who is far away from me. Take all my loves, my love, yea, take them all. What hast thou then more than thou hadst before? No love, my love, that thou mayst true love call. All mine was thine before thou hadst this more. Then if for my love thou my love receivest, I cannot blame thee, for my love thou usest. But yet be blamed, if thou thyself deceivest by willful taste of what thyself refusest. I do forgive thy robbery, gentle thief although thou steal thee all my poverty. And yet love knows it is a greater grief to bear love's wrong than hate's known injury. Lascivious grace, in whom all ill well shows, kill me with spites, yet we must not be foes. Take all my loves, my love. Yes, take them all. What have you now that you didn't have before? No, love, my love, that you could call true love, and that is mine was yours before you gained this additional thing. Then, if you take my lover for my love, I cannot blame you, since you are making use of my love. But you are still to be blamed, if you are deceiving yourself by tasting what you yourself refuse. I forgive you for stealing, noble thief, although you steal for yourself what little I have. 
Nevertheless, love knows that it is a greater sorrow to be hurt by a mistake of love than an intentional injury of hate. Lustful beauty, in which every bad thing looks good, kills me with insults. But we must not be enemies. If you enjoyed listening to me talk, I have another show on Spotify called Extra Point, X-T-R-A-P-O-I-N-T, with my good friend, Bakari Garvin. And we have an Instagram called at Extra Point Pod, X-T-R-A-P-O-I-N-T-P-O-D. And if you want content or knowledge about me, your host, Trent Miley, Follow my professional IG at Riverside underscore readings. This has been Riverside Readings. I am your host, Trent Miley, and I look forward to the next journey we take together. As Last Pod would say, hail yourself and magustulations. <laughs>